Well, good morning. Welcome to 2021, our first service this year. I'm super excited about this. And, and we're filming again in my house. Desktop is being painted today while we're filming. So we will be meeting there on Sunday, but and we'll get back to recording where we normally do a little bit later, but it's kind of nice to be in my house this morning. Um, it's Saturday morning, and you, by the time you see this, it'll be Sunday morning, and we're just excited about what God is going to do in 2021. I mention this every year. I love New Year's. I love the idea of a fresh start, a fresh beginning. Does it change all our problems? No. Did COVID magically go away uh, as soon as January 20, 2021 popped in? No, it didn't. We still have the same struggles. If we were struggling fi uh, financially on the 31st, we're probably still struggling financially today. If no matter what's happening in our lives, those things didn't change, but here's what it does. It's kind of like when you were in school or maybe you're still in school and you come into a new school year. I, I struggled in school. But I always looked forward to the new school year because this would be the year that I was going to do it a little bit better than I did the last year, that I was going to study a little bit harder, that I was going to be more disciplined. I love the idea of a fresh start because it helps us to put things into perspective. We reflect on what's happened in the past, and then we look forward to what we're doing in the future and what God's going to do. And I believe, even with the struggles of 2020, not all of 2020 was bad. There were some really good things that came out of 2020. No, it's not the people that died. No, it's not the people that got sick. But it showed us what we really, really loved. It showed us where we struggle. It helped us to become stronger. And I'm looking forward to what we're going to do in 2021. And I hope that you take a few minutes. And people make fun of New Year's resolutions. And I don't necessarily want that. But make a plan for the new year. Maybe it's reading a book a month. Maybe it's, you've not been really uh, consistent in your devotional time. Maybe it's just sitting down and this year is the year you read through the entire Bible or this year is the year that you make a plan that you're going to spend at least 30 minutes a day in the Word and, and in prayer. Those are the times where you can springboard into new things. That's why, we, that's why I love this because it gives us an opportunity to start over, to start fresh. And I'm going to tell you, I, the, the things that I planned on doing in 2020, some of them were curtailed because of the, the climate that we were in. But you know what? I accomplished some things. I read more books in 2020 than I did in 2019. I accomplished more in certain areas of my life in 2020 than I did in 2019. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in 2021. I'm excited for me, I'm excited for my family, I'm excited for our church, I'm excited for you as being a part of that. So with all of that, I just want to talk about it. Listen, the world around us is ever-changing. Things are going to come and go, political powers are going to come and go, we've got an election in a couple days, uh, you know, the runoff elections. Political parties are going to come and go. There are going to be years that you're going to be super excited about who wins, and there are going to be years that you're going to be super frustrated. Politics shouldn't separate us. Not in that way. As believers, we have common ground in Jesus Christ. Political power is going to come and go. Sickness is going to come and go. You know, COVID is here. COVID, for you know, however it slows down, if the vaccine helps, whatever that may be, there's going to be other sicknesses. 
There's always going to be those things. I'm not saying that to be a downer, but these things come and go. We've seen it. I remember being a kid in the 80s. Man, AIDS was the thing. Everybody talked about AIDS and you're afraid of everything. Like, So sicknesses come and go. Natural disasters come and go. But there is an unstoppable force in our lives. And it's powered by the Holy Spirit. And it's called the church. The church is the unstoppable force that has been going strong for more than 2,000 years. And that's what we're going to talk about the first part of this year. We're going to go through the book of Acts and look at the birth of the church and this unstoppable force. Now we realize the church isn't God. God is really the, the power of the Holy Spirit is really what's driving the church forward. It's what's put the church in its place. But Satan has tried. He's made the church stumble. He's slowed it down, but he's never been able to stop the church, and he never will. It is the unstoppable force, and we're going to look at what makes it unstoppable. We're going to look at how we, as the church, are a part of that. And the church, and I want to put this out there, we're not talking about Kennesaw Family Life Church, although we're a part of this. We're not even necessarily, we're, well, we're talking about the church, but it's not a building. It's not a structure. It's you and I. We are the church as members of the body of Christ. When we are believers in Jesus, we are the church. It has nothing to do with buildings. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's about you and me. It's about us acting and living out our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the, the book of Acts over the next several weeks. And I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to talk about how things were getting started. This is kind of the, the preface to this. The book of Acts was written by Luke, who was a physician. He was a doctor. He also wrote one of the Gospels that was named after him. And he traveled with Paul for much of, much of his life. And he went around and he documented what he saw, and he learned and studied what happened with Jesus. And that's when he wrote the book of Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts, which is kind of a continuation of the book of Luke. So I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. 
Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus was taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Luke was commissioned by the Holy Spirit to write these things, to document the birth of the church, to tell the story of Jesus and the story of the birth of the church. So when Jesus walked the earth, he taught us how to love, how to serve, how to care for those that were around us. If you think about, if you remember reading through the Gospels, and if you were with us back in 2018, we spent a long time going through the book of Mark and looked at what Jesus did, how he lived, how he loved, how he cared for people around him. We learned how to live from Jesus, how to follow God. And then when he died for our sins and rose again, he promised the Holy Spirit. He promised that he would send a helper. So the first thing I want to talk about today, the first thing we can pull from Acts chapter 1 is a command and a promise. The command was to do what? To wait. Jesus appeared to his disciples several times after he uh, rose again, but he told them to wait in Jerusalem until the promise came, to wait there. If you look at it in John 14, 16 through 18, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it wasn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you will know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus commanded them to stay until that promise the advocate, the counselor would come. This advocate, in the, in the Greek, the word for advocate is paraclete or parakletos. I'm not good with Greek. It's okay. But that word means to, call, to be called to one side. Jesus didn't come, walk on the earth, do all these amazing things, die, ascend into heaven, and then just step back and say, okay, go for it. He said, I'll give you a helper. Because he told us, he commanded us to share the gospel throughout the world. And what that gospel is, is the life of Jesus, what he did for us, that he's the son of God, that he came and died for our sins. We are to tell everybody everywhere about that gospel. But we can't do it on our own. None of us can do it on our own. We needed the Holy Spirit. He knew we needed the Holy Spirit. And he said he would send us the advocate, one to come alongside. That advocate or counselor could also be in law terms. Somebody that's like an attorney that stands up for you, that speaks for you, that defends you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the primary first job of the Holy Spirit is to come alongside us, to help us to recall Scripture, to help us to learn how to live in this world, to guide us and direct us. The Word tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one that draws us to God. That we don't get there on our own. That God puts people in our place and in our path at just the right time when He's already prepared our hearts. And He draws us. I believe that God plants churches for specific individuals in those communities that they would come to know Him. I believe that God puts us in the jobs that we're in and in the places that we are so that we could be that light at that specific moment for specific people. 
I think of how I've met some of you. Now, some of you have come just because you came and visited our church. But some of you, it's been in parks and at other events that we were common in. And then we got to know each other through those things. God leads you and directs you through the Holy Spirit even before you follow Him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is here to guide us and direct us. He, he helps us to remember Scripture. We were promised the Holy Spirit, and Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit come. He knew they couldn't do it on their own. Now, here's something I want you to think about. He told them not to leave until the Holy Spirit comes. You know, sometimes in our lives, what we can learn from this is sometimes we need to just wait in the presence of God until God gives us direction. Our nature is to go and do. Our nature is like, man, I, God put this in my heart. It's time to go, go. But there are times when God will tell us to just wait. To wait. You know, J Jennifer and I have talked about this many times. God gave us the vision to start this church like 20 years ago. We even moved our family up here 15 years ago. And it was another seven years before God said, now you can start. Now you can start. Then we still had a lot of things to get through to even get to the point where we could meet as a church. Sometimes God tells us to wait. But the Holy Spirit is our guide. And while we're waiting, things are happening and we're still following God. It means that we don't, it doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. But it means we wait on the presence of God to move forward in certain things. That we spend time with Him, that we listen to Him. It can be frustrating. Those are frustrating times. You know what you want to do. You hunger to do it. But God keeps saying, wait. Because see, God sees the big picture. He knows what's going to happen, and he, he guides us at the right time in the right moment. And he puts us where we need to be. When we follow Him, He always puts us where we need to be. So we're going to talk more about the waiting later in future messages. The disciples learned that lesson very well, that they had to wait on God. And we'll talk about that in the next couple weeks. I want to go on to the second thing that we can take out of this. So there was a command and a promise. The promise was, the command was to wait, to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, or until that promise comes. The promise was the Holy Spirit. Here's the effects of the promise. That's the second thing today. If you got the notes, I, I try to give you notes so you, it's easier to follow along. But the second thing is the effects of the promise. What's the purpose of what God's going to do? Why is He sending us the Holy Spirit? We already talked about Him being an advocate, but there's more. There's more to it than that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read it just a minute ago, but you will receive, underline this, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We were called to tell people, to live out this life, so that people everywhere would know Jesus. And he didn't just leave us alone. We talked about the counselor, but he also said that he was going to give us power. 
supernatural power that comes from this. That's something that freaks us out a little bit. We love supernatural things. Did a message series last year, Supernatural. You can go back on YouTube and watch it. It really talks about the Holy Spirit. We'll get into some of those things with this series. But we love the supernatural. We love superhero movies. We love that concept. But when it comes down to real life, we're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know about that. But he said, you will receive power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to do what? To witness. Remember when Jesus, just before he died, he gave what we know in the church world. If you're not from the church world, you may not have ever heard this term. You're going to hear it now, though. The Great Commission. What that is, is what Jesus told the disciples to do. It's the command that he gave them right before he went to the cross. And this is what he said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the, these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He told them not, and, and listen, I, I called us the church. That's what the book of Acts is about, the start of the church. But he, he didn't call us to build churches because we are the church. He called us to disciple. As believers, we're all commissioned to disciple others. And I know what some of you are thinking, whoa, wait a minute. I barely know scripture at all. How am I going to disciple somebody else? We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to redefine discipleship a little bit throughout this series. We're going to get into a little more detail of what it means to be a disciple and what it means to disciple others. There's millions of books written on it. There's tons of information. And I don't think there's any one way to disciple somebody. But Jesus called us to disciple the world. Not to build churches, not to build awesome buildings and to have great youth ministries and awesome worship departments and great lighting things. He called us to disciple. That's our number one goal. That's our, our purpose. And I believe, we've been having this discussion, I, I, I sit with a group of, of people uh, that meet every week that's talking about these very things about the church and how things go. And one of the things that was asked is, when does discipleship be begin? I believe that discipleship begins, I'm more convinced of it now than ever, when we first build relationship with somebody, not when they come to Christ. We've narrowed discipleship down. Oh, you come to Christ, you pray a prayer, and then you get into a discipleship group and you learn how to follow Jesus. And there's an element of that that's not wrong. But we really start learning about who Jesus is by the people that are around us, that are influencing us. That's when we're being discipled. Our discipleship begins before salvation. That's why it's so important for you and I to live out a life that exemplifies Jesus. That the way we live shares the love of Jesus. The things that we post, the way that we act, all of those things need to exemplify Jesus. 
That's what's been so frustrating about the political season because I've seen people that I know are believers say some things that have been just absolutely unchristlike about politicians and about politics. Even about 2020. Man, yeah, there's been some rough things, but let's share the love of Jesus and how Jesus gets us through these things. Remember, political power is going to come and go. Sickness is going to come and go. Financial trouble is going to come and go. Natural disasters are going to come and go. Just because you come to Christ doesn't mean everything is perfect. But here's the thing. When you're following Jesus and you go through all this stuff, the way that you live, the way that you can share your life with other people because you're doing life together, is discipling the people that are around you. When they see you go through difficult times and they see you hold on to your faith and they see how Jesus is that anchor in your life, how the Holy Spirit's working through you, that encourages them. They want what you have. You are the greatest testimony. That's why you are the church. You don't have to be perfect. We still sin. We still struggle. But see, that journey, that journey is what draws others with us. You don't have to lead a small group. You don't have to lead a church. You don't have to lead anything to disciple the people that are around you. But see, the flip side of that is, is that you can do just as much damage as you do good. That's why it's important for us to live holy lives. That's why it's important for us to dig into the Word of God. That's why it's important for us to see, for people to see you repent, for people to see you recognize that, hey, every once in a while I mess up, but I'm still moving towards the goal. I'm still moving towards Jesus. Even though I struggle, even though I kicked around a little bit, even though I said some things I shouldn't have, I'm still moving towards him. Study the life of David sometime. Man, that man made some major mistakes, and yet he was called a man after God's own heart. By God, not by others. By God. He murdered people. He sinned in ways that thousands of people died had affairs. He was not perfect by any means. But yet, through all of this sin, he knew how to repent and he knew how to follow after God. Repentance means just turning from your sins. So God gave us a promise and he commanded us to wait in his presence until that promise came. That promise wasn't just for the disciples, it was for all of us. When we come to a relationship with Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, but then we're going to learn a, bit, a little bit more about how the Holy Spirit comes in a much stronger, powerful way in our lives over these next few weeks. And I hope that whets your appetite. I hope you desire to have more of the Holy Spirit and to learn more about the birth of how the church came about. Let me wrap it up this way. We are commanded to disciple we're commanded to wait in His presence and then to disciple others as the church. Jesus promised us. But here's how this works. There, are, there is more than one element to this. So we have you, you and me, we are the church, we are the disciples, we are the body of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit, the promise that God sent us. 
He promised us the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the one that's going to fill us with power. There's one other thing, other believers. That's what equals the unstoppable force. You have to have those three things. You, the Holy Spirit, and other believers are what make the church unstoppable. It's kind of the illustration is this. If you've ever made a fire, you have wood that's the fuel. You have to have three things. You have to have wood, you have to have oxygen or air, and you have to have a spark. That wood is that fuel. The air feeds that fuel in that flame, but that spark is what makes it a fire. But you have to have all three. If you don't have air, it won't burn. If you don't have fuel, it won't burn. If you don't have the spark, it'll never start. God loves threes. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We need each other. I want to read to you one last scripture today. Ecclesiastes. Love one of my favorite books in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this. Two people are better than one. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Think about that. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. We were never meant to do this on our own. God didn't just send the world into orbit and send it spinning and leave us alone. He didn't commission the church to go and make disciples and then leave us to do it to see if we could make it happen. He called us, we responded, He gave us the Holy Spirit, and He gave us other believers. We have to have each other. That's why the church is so important. It's why it's the unstoppable force. Because there are times when I'm going to fail, there are times when I'm going to struggle, there are times I'm going to fall flat on my face. And you know what God does? God lifts me up through His Word, His Holy Spirit. But then there are people in my life, particularly my wife, who says, quit being a baby and get up and go. Now, sometimes she does say that, but you know what? God has given me other people that encourage me at just the right time. When I'm at my lowest point, or maybe I'm struggling a little bit and depressed. Yeah, I do get depressed sometimes. I don't struggle with depression like some people do, and that, there's some serious depression out there. And you know what? Sometimes medication is what helps. And God uses that sometimes. But here's the thing. God always gives me people to encourage me and strengthen me. He always encourages me with His Word. 
those things happen. God has used a text from somebody randomly that gives me the encouragement to get through a day. God does so much, so much to get us through this life. He called us, He commissioned us, but He did not leave us alone. So the first thing is, and this may be where you're at in your life, you may be in a season of waiting, spending time in the presence of God. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, for me. I encourage you to study the book of Acts along with us. Read through chapter one again today, throughout this week. Read ahead if you want. We're gonna talk through it. We're gonna look at what the disciples, it's called the book of Acts, the Acts of the Disciples. It chronicles the birth of the church, but it isn't specifically about the church. It's about what the disciples did, what they endured, and how they lived to spread the gospel around the world. We're a part of that. And then I want you to remember as we close today that you are discipling the people around you. If you've got kids, the kids in your home, you're discipling them. You're discipling your spouse. You're discipling the people that you're around on a regular basis. The people that don't know Jesus, that know you, and they know that you're following Him, they're looking at you, they're wanting to know, is Jesus got any real power in your life? Because for some of us, if it's like me, when I came to Christ, it was such a radical change in my life that everybody had to look and notice. I'm gonna quote my friend Dick Foth. I wish he was really my friend. I only know him through books, so I, I can say that. But I'm going to quote Dick Foth real quick. He said, if I'm walking with Jesus, and I invite you to walk along with me, eventually, you're going to meet Jesus. It's so true. That's how our lives work. So one, it takes heart on how we live. But two, remember the people around you are being discipled by you. Let your life count. Be the church. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit, the promise. Lord, I pray that if there is anybody watching this today, that if they don't have a relationship with you, that Lord, you would help them to have that relationship today. Lord, that they would surrender their lives to you and ask for your forgiveness, your complete forgiveness that comes only through the blood that you shed for us. That promise is for all of us. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of those sins. And your word tells us that they're gone as far as the east is from the west. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us today that we are the church, that we are those disciples and that we're discipling others around us every day. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us in that, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with your boldness to share your word, to share our lives with people around us and remind us that we need each other. That when we come together with you and each other, we're an unstoppable force. We are the church. Lord, move in our hearts and lives today. 
We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you need prayer today, or if you just need to continue to pray, the chat will be open for at least 15 minutes after service. You can click on prayer. It opens a private window so that we can pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today.